0: Have our Bibles been translated incorrectly? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. Back in 2009, Mormonism Research Ministry hosted a Compassionate Boldness Conference in Salt Lake City. We asked a number of experts in the field of Mormonism to participate in this event, the purpose of which was to educate local Christians on how to better defend their faith when speaking to Mormons. Article 8 of the Mormon Articles of Faith tells us that Mormons are to believe the Bible only as far as it is translated correctly, and many Mormon leaders have used this to convince members of the LDS Church that their unique scripture, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price are more trustworthy than the Bibles we have available today. Because this is a major stumbling block in bringing Mormons to a saving faith in Christ, I asked my friend James White to come and address the reliability of the New Testament. Dr. White is the director of Alpha and Omega Ministries, a Christian apologetics organization based in Phoenix, Arizona. Their website address is aomin.org. James is the author of several important books, including the King James Only Controversy, The God Who Justifies, The Forgotten Trinity, Scripture Alone, What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Quran, and The Same-Sex Controversy, a book that he co-authored with Jeffrey D. Neal. He is also a tenacious debater, having engaged the likes of Bart Ehrman, John Dominic Crossan, Marcus Borg, and John Shelby Spong. Dr. White is also an educator, having taught Greek, systematic theology, and various topics in the field of apologetics for numerous schools. I hope you'll enjoy what James has to say in his presentation titled, Can We Trust the New Testament? Responding to Article 8.
1: Thank you very much. I uh, normally like to start off with uh, you know, easing you into the subject and things like that. But like this morning, we have a lot to cover. And like this morning, unfortunately, it is an area where there is not a lot of general discussion in the church on these particular issues. And of course, up here in the Salt Lake area, uh, I want to place this somewhat within the context of responding to Mormonism. Uh, So the title, as far as it is translated correctly, coming, of course, from the 8th article of faith of the Mormon church, many times we witness to Mormons. You can raise a text of scripture. I remember staying in the Arby's parking lot. The Arby's is gone now, unfortunately, in Mesa. I'm witnessing to a Mormon lady, and I went through a number of texts of scripture. And she said nothing. She objected to none of them. And so I sort of stopped and said, well, ma'am, do you, do you have anything to say to those? And she said, well, they're all mistranslated. And I said, well, ma'am, do you read Hebrew? No, I don't read Hebrew. Have you read any books about Hebrew? No, I haven't. Well, then how do you know that those are mistranslated? Because they disagree with what the church teaches. Uh, Just that simple. Now, obviously, there are far more nuanced ways in which uh, people make that kind of a statement, but the reality is that the reliability of the text of the Bible is an issue in every single apologetic context in which you can engage. And so, hopefully, the information that we will provide here will be helpful. In regards to Mormonism and the Bible, Joseph Smith said, I believe the Bible as it read when it came from the pen of the original writers ignorant translators careless transcribers or designing and corrupt priests have committed many errors and so here you have joseph smith's own assertion uh, that he believes the bible as it came from the pens of the original writers Uh, the irony of course of that is that in his joseph smith translation he made changes for which there is not a single bit of evidence historically that there has ever been any interruption in the transmission of the text of that particular verse whatsoever That is, he added and deleted willy-nilly without any reference to textual critical reality. And so that sort of uh, puts the lie to the assertion. But if we can demonstrate that what we have is, in point of fact, the original text, then I guess uh, a Mormon will have to believe that because Joseph Smith said, in fact, that he did. Now, outside of Mormonism, the current onslaught is very, very obvious. Scholars spin the evidence, particularly in media appearances. Uh, Bill made reference to Dr. Bart Ehrman. Uh, The reason he is a media darling right now is because he is an apostate Christian. He is a graduate of Moody Bible Institute and Wheaton uh, College, and he has his Master's and PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary. And so as a quote-unquote former Christian, uh, he is the go-to guy these days uh, for the media when they want to have someone to debunk the Bible and to uh, present uh, some kind of contradiction. Uh, in the Bible, that's why he is uh, so popular these days. They emphasize that all we have are copies of copies of copies of copies from hundreds of years after the originals. That is a line directly from Bart Ehrman. Uh, Every time I hear a Muslim uh, use that line or someone else use that line, I know exactly where it came from. But is that the case? Is all we have today in regards to the New Testament copies of copies of copies of copies from hundreds of years after the originals? Well, this is an area where we need to know what the facts are, and we cannot be afraid of what the facts are. I'm going to present some things to you today that will probably be troubling to you. Stick with me till the end. Hopefully, I'll be able to uh, relieve you of any trouble you might have, unless you have some misunderstandings and misapprehensions about the nature of the New Testament, and then you need to be troubled uh, and to have a correct understanding of where the New Testament came from. Now, you will hear a number very often in the media today, and it is not an accurate number. Uh, most scholars today would estimate that across the length and breadth of the New Testament manuscript tradition, when I use that phrase, I'm referring to all the handwritten manuscripts that have come down to us, whether they are papyri manuscripts from within only a few years of the writing of the New Testament, uh, or later uh, manuscripts that might have been written in the, in the 15th and 16th centuries. But if it was handwritten, that goes into what's called the manuscript tradition, and across the length and breadth of that, about 1,500 years of transmission, there are approximately four hundred thousand variants. Now, if I was here to cause you to question your faith, I would uh, sort of basically say, well, 400,000 variants, there's only 138,000 words in the entire New Testament. So what would that create in your mind if I made that kind of a statement? It would create in your mind the idea that for almost every single word in the New Testament, we have three possible words, three possible readings. And there are many people who make that very kind of presentation, and it is their hope that that's exactly how you will think. That's exactly the conclusion you will come to. I have heard Muslims use this kind of argumentation, and it's very clear to me they don't know what the context is. They're just repeating what they've read in various uh, either liberal or anti-Christian sources. But 400,000 variants... 138,162 words in the New Testament, that's nearly three variants per word, or that's how it's presented. And so we are confidently told, and you will hear this on CNN, and you will hear this on NBC and ABC, and uh, maybe only once or twice less on Fox News, uh, no one can have any confidence that the text they read today accurately reflects what was originally written. That is what is being taught to uh, the current freshman uh, in uh, Bart Ehrman's uh, religion class, the University of North Carolina, and many other such places. My daughter ran into uh, a devotee of the Bart Ehrman perspective as a freshman in college herself. And uh, his hatred of Christianity and the Christian faith was absolutely incredible. And he is not in any way, shape, or form alone in that kind of an attitude. And how many here feel confident they can give an answer to the information that I've given so far? If you were to look at it graphically, here would be the number of variants in red, the number of words in the New Testament in blue. That doesn't look good at all. And that's the impression that people want to communicate to others. But what they don't tell you. Let's look at the rest of the story, as uh, someone used to say very often. 99% of all variants do not impact the meaning of the text. Variations in spelling and word order make up the vast bulk of the variations. If any of you have ever studied, for example, the uh, Greek, uh, Koine Greek language of the New Testament, uh, then you know about something called the movable new. Uh, The movable new is the bane of first-year Greek students, but uh, it is simply whether you put a new at the end of a word or not, it does not in any way, shape, or form change the meaning of the text. If you've also studied Greek, you know that word order can be very much different in New Testament Greek than it is in English, without impacting the meaning of the text as well. And so the vast majority, 99% of those variants, do not impact the meaning of the text, the vast majority could not even be translated into English. You could not even explain in English uh, where the variant exists in the underlying Greek text. All right, keep that in mind. Secondly, one percent of 400,000 equals 4,000 meaningful textual variants out of 138,162 words is about 2.9 percent, or one meaningful variant every three pages. But only half of those are viable; hence, there are around 1,500 to 2,000 viable meaning New Testament new textual, textual variants. So, what do I mean by viable? Well. Some of those uh, variations occur only in one manuscript written, say, in the year 1200. And that one manuscript, you know, the poor scribe got up that morning and his coffee was bad. I was going to say his wife yelled at him, but then I remembered he was a scribe, so we couldn't do that. And so, uh, a monk, scribe, not supposed to be married. Wow, it is right after lunch, isn't it? Okay. Okay, no jokes for this one. All right, everyone look very carefully at the tie as it moves back and forth. That'll wake you up. Okay. No, you're making us hell. Stop. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, if you had a variant in a a 12th century manuscript someplace, and that manuscript is otherwise not overly uh, interesting, it doesn't have any particular connection to the early period of transmission of the text, you you would not believe that that is a viable uh, variant. What that means is it's not likely to represent the original text. It's just simply a misspelling. Um, The the funniest example that, that Bruce Metzger has... Told for, told for years was of the scribe who was copying the genealogies in Luke, and uh, the, 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 what he was copying was in, in columns. and He just wasn't awake that day, he was in a bad mood, I don't know, he wasn't paying attention. And instead of copying down the columns, he copied across the columns. Can you imagine what that would happen in the genealogies? Uh, Ferris becomes the head of the human race. And uh, God is the son of uh, somebody else in the middle of the, of the mess. And I mean, it just makes no sense, but a scribe wrote it because he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Now, is there any chance that that's the original? No, not at all. So when we look at viability, whether it could be the original reading or not, plus whether it actually impacts the meaning of the text, now we're down to a much smaller number than the 400,000. So whenever you hear somebody just throw that number out and they do not explain what that number is about, you're probably listening to someone who is trying to upset your faith rather than actually speak the truth.